The Z-Ball podcast is a casual conversation that occasionally delves into mature subjects and may contain vulgar adult language. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Z-Ball Podcast. I'm Zeeshan Khan. This is a part one of a special two-part podcast on the great, illustrious 20-year career of the Black Mamba, Kobe Bean Bryant. Uh, we're going to be getting into a lot of things in this podcast about Kobe's career, all the ups and downs, our favorite memories from his career, and uh, ultimately where he ranks among the game's all-time greats. And uh, joining me to get into all of this, from Pasadena, California, longtime basketball enthusiast, Shay. How are you doing, Shay? I'm pretty good, Josh. How are you, man? I'm doing well. Thanks for coming on with me. So, uh, oh, no problem, man. No problem. So, uh, first order of business, uh, kind of just go back to the kind of the first time you you saw Kobe play in his rookie year or, or second year or something, and uh, kind of what your thoughts were when the first time you saw him on the court. Okay, well, uh, Kobe's rookie year, to be honest, dude. I don't remember exactly when that was. It was a long time back. Uh, but um, uh, my first uh, um, interpretation of what I've seen him, he was a great player, you know, very athletic player, very um, hardworking, you know, very elusive kind of sort of player that uh, doesn't come around quite too often. Okay, definitely. Uh I mean, Kobe definitely for me uh, when he first came. I mean, it wasn't. I didn't really know much about him because I mean, at that at that point, I was as a Laker fan. It was all about uh, the acquisition of Shaq. That was kind of the big uh, the big uh, reel in by the Lakers, and then it was kind of just like how Shaq was going to fit in as a dominant force with the young upcoming backcourt that the Lakers had at the time, and Nick Van Exel and Eddie Jones. So it wasn't really about Kobe. I mean, I had heard about Kobe. Kind of like Jerry West liked him and so forth, and he was it was he was kind of like it looked like to me when I first saw him like like a, a guy that was kind of three years away, four years away from being like a a true superstar in the league. So uh, kind of that rookie year, I mean, he he only played like he only started about six games, so he was mainly a bench guy, and he only averaged like sixteen minutes a game or something. So I mean, his the highlight of that career was, uh, of that season probably for him was winning the dunk contest. Did you remember that watching that dunk contest? I thought that um, at that time I just don't remember exactly about it, but I didn't. I did see it. You know, I mean, uh, Kobe Bryant was definitely. I mean, uh, like you said, he was a he was a kid straight out of high school, and uh, he just came out, and he, everybody thought he'd he take some years to uh, develop, but. Uh, he came out really quick, you know. I mean, he, he learned the game. He picked it up. He, he became, um, just uh, from an, um, a regular player, he became a great player quickly, you know, and not too many players can do that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the first year of his first season of his career, I mean, ended in kind of really heartbreak for him uh, with that game against Utah, I, I believe game five of the Western Conference semis. And uh, he ended up, Airballing four shots down the stretch in that game in fourth quarter and overtime, and it was just a really uh, bad way for him to go out in that that first season. And it was 
something that really uh, bothered him in that in that entire off season, and he worked his ass off that entire off season to come back the next season. And the next season, the second season, I mean, he was still coming off the bench as a six man, and he had a a bigger role on the team. And I mean, do you remember that All Star game in the, his second year when he he put on a spectacular show uh, going against Michael Jordan? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. You know, I mean, Kobe was uh, like I said, it's, he he was. I mean, it, just like any other rookie in the league, it takes some time, you know. But he also um, he's a hard worker. You know, he was able to, like you said, he had his downfall in that Utah game, but he picked himself up. You know, and then uh, he knows how to like, uh, even though when he's downfall, it sort of motivates him to get up and, and do better the following season. So that's exactly what he did. At, in my opinion, you know. Okay, uh, true. I mean, he's definitely uh, one of the hardest working uh, players ever in the history of the league. And uh, I mean, he stays in great shape. He takes a lot of pride in his work ethic. And uh, I thought I, from that second season on to third season, I thought that was where he was going to make the leap to kind of the, the superstar level. But I mean, it turns out he really didn't. That's because, in my opinion, of the lockout. So, I mean, he still played pretty good in that third uh, season of his in the lockout. But ultimately, uh, I just think that lockout kind of uh, messed up his rhythm and so forth, and he wasn't able to get really to that uh, level of the superstar, which he would ultimately obtain like about a year or two later. So, uh, what did you think? What did you think about that uh, third season when uh, they got swept by the Spurs in the conference semis? This is what uh, this is, from what I recall, the year two thousand, right? This is ninety eight, ninety nine. The the lockout year. Yeah. Okay, so I'm a little ahead. Oh uh, well, well, that year. I mean, he's still learning. You know, he's still learning the game. He's still, uh, he's still, um, what do you call, um, getting, uh, I guess, used to whatever how uh, NBA, how fast NBA is, how it, how it was. But at that time, I mean, no matter how good he was, they were the Spurs were a great team. You know, they were the best team in the league, and they. Um, it just it just happened to be that way, you know. And uh, but it, it, it's a learning curve. Any kid that comes out, especially uh, especially um, coming out of high school, from what I've seen, or in my opinion, a lot of kids that came out of high school then, it took them. Um, uh, they still had to learn a lot before uh, before they got to, into their so-called, uh, I guess, rhythm and their feel for the game. So I mean, I I will look at it as as. Uh, negative point of view for him, but I look at the positive. It's, it's, a learning, it's a learning curve, you know, and uh, sometimes you have to fall before you can rise. Okay, definitely. Uh, and then uh, the going into the fourth season of his career, 99-2000, I think this is the reason, uh, the season where we really saw, like, flashes and uh, potential of what his true ceiling could be. Still not, uh, probably in this season moved himself into like the top 15, 20 players in the league, but also kind of had some uh, injury related issues in this season, missed about 17 games and so forth, but uh, became a, a regular fixture in the starting lineup and a true, truly important part to the Laker, bringing the Lakers their first championship in, in this season since the year t 1988 uh, before so I, I think this was a season was, that was truly instrumental in Kobe's career. So what, do you remember this season? I'm pretty sure you do. I do remember. This is the first season they beat, uh, I believe, Portland, right, in, in the Western Conference? Yeah. Yeah. What, what that 
Yeah, it was Portland in the Western Conference Finals, and then whenever the Shaq uh, Kobe dynasty is brought up, that that image that always comes to my mind is that uh, that uh, when Kobe's driving down the lane and he throws up that lob to Shaq and kind of just puts the exclamation mark on the Western Conference Finals, the big 15-point comeback that the Lakers had in that game in the fourth quarter. And then that's always the image that sticks with me when I, whenever I think about the Shaq-Kobe uh, era in L.A. So that was definitely an exciting time. Go ahead. That was definitely one of the start, correct, of the, uh, the start of the Kobe era. You know, I mean, uh, Kobe has, uh, I mean, he was a great player. You know, I mean, he still is a great player now. I mean, you know, even in his... Uh, in his um, in the later part of his career now, you know he's uh, he's still a great player. But I think um, during that game, it just showed a lot of things. It showed that comeback, uh, how they came back. It showed that he, he matured, you know, in his in as opposed to his first couple of years, he matured and uh, maturity was starting to show. You know, I mean, a lot of people can say like uh, a lot of people can say Kobe benefited greatly from Shaq. Which, and if you look at it, I believe he did, because at that time, Shaq was uh, an unstoppable force. There was no one in the league that can uh, can, uh, can stop it, as big as him or as strong as him. You know, I mean, that helped, but at the same time, Kobe also, at the same time, Kobe also, um, he also learned how to play with Shaq, and he learned how to benefit from it and to improve his game. You know, and that's what a lot of people do, and I see, in my opinion, I don't think a lot of people see that. Okay, definitely. That's a great point. Uh, I kind of agree with that point. I mean, although Shaq was definitely the best player, and I don't, I don't think that's really debatable in those years. Shaq, uh, I mean, a good second option in Kobe. I mean, he was great, and and that really showed in that uh, 2000 final series against Indiana when in Game Four, uh, the Lakers were up two one in that series, and then Kobe actually missed Game Three because of a. An, an ankle injury that he suffered in game two. So a pretty devastating ankle injury. And then he ended up coming back in game four. And in game four, that was really like a close game, kind of back and forth. And then Shaq ended up actually fouling out in that game. And uh, Kobe just absolutely took over in overtime in that of that game and led the Lakers to a, vi- a very important, crucial victory in that series. And in my opinion, kind of just wrapped up the series with that uh, with that game, and then that's uh, that's the moment for me that where it all clicked that this guy's going to be something special, and we have we're going to see a lot of uh, special moments from him in the next ten to fifteen years or so, and we're going to see a lot of greatness from this guy, and that definitely set up a, a great superstar season for him in the next season. So uh, exactly. just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on. The, if you remember that game four, what he took over in overtime. I vaguely remember it that uh, uh, sometime back, but uh, I mean, I it's 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 like you said, dude. That, that's uh, that's how that game is sort of like uh, um, started or um, was the start of of his of his rising in the league. You know, that's when uh, he came back and Shaq out of the game. He took over, and then uh, that's when he like showed like what he's truly made of. You know that's when that that's when Kobe came out of his uh, his so-called I guess what the term is like your shell and he he popped out and became who he is. But that was like the beginning part to where he was uh, to his all-time greatness. Okay, uh, sounds great. Uh, great point. And then uh, moving into the next season, uh, two thousand two thousand one. This was kind of a 
a really uh, roller coaster type season for the Lakers and uh, Kobe and Shaq, especially as they had their uh, rift and personal uh, conflict going on with each other. It was kind of like a soap opera type thing. And that's kind of what you would expect from LA teams. But I mean, Kobe really rose to the occasion in this season, his best uh, year so far in his five year career, average of nearly like 28 points and legitimately came, became one of the 10 best players in the league in this season. So uh, what do you remember about this season, uh, about the whole Shaq-Kobe feud and so forth? Well, the whole Kobe, um, Kobe Shaq feud was because when you have two, uh, for what I remember when they were, like, well, um, I remember they had a feud, it's like, who is the, the man of the team? Who's the leader? You know, who's who's Batman, who's Robin? You know, I remember, I, I believe that was a term that was used at that time. Um, who's Batman, who's Robin, and uh, who's taking... Um, the second hand as compared to the first hand, you know, and uh, it's sort of uh, I, I, it's sort of that feud that sort of happened at that time because that's when Kobe was blaming, Kobe was becoming uh, um, greater and greater, and then Shaq was at, at the top of the league, and uh, sort of like uh, that feud. That's what it, that's what it started, from what I remember. I mean, it's uh, it was some time back for me. I don't remember exactly about it, but. Uh, it's 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 something which um, sort of uh, defined the Lakers and their and then uh, made uh, I believe 2000 when they won I think it was three straight championships from what I recall um, it was um, it sort of was like one of the defining moments you know for the Lakers uh, run at that time. Okay, definitely. I mean, it was definitely a Kobe a rising player that year. Has the best season so far of his five-year career in that season, and uh, and Shaq and Kobe had their ultimate uh, inner struggle within the team, and then Phil Jackson kind of had some trouble with Kobe uh, coaching him and so forth, and they really struggled and kind of limped their way into the postseason as kind of the uh, I think I believe the third seed or some they were behind uh, I, I believe. Uh, San Antonio and some another team, I think Dallas. But I ultimately, this was, in my opinion, the best uh, playoff team I ever saw in 2001. The Lakers went 15 and one that year, and th- this was the ultimate flip the switch type team, as they just ran and mowed their way through the Western Conference and then through the Philadelphia 76ers and the NBA Finals, and then. Kobe uh, was absolutely magnificent this season in the Western Conference semis and the Western Conference finals against Sacramento and San Antonio Spurs. And I believe... Yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. I uh, was just saying, yeah, you're correct. You know, that's what uh, uh, the run, what they were, you know. I mean, Phil uh, Jackson is, uh, as I mentioned, you know, because I had some trouble... Um, Dealing with Kobe, you know, at, at that time you have to give uh, um, one thing Kobe had, you know, I mean, uh, that helped him um, become who he is and how great he is. He had a lot of mentoring, you know. He had Shaq on his team, obviously at that time one of the most dominant players in the league. But he had one of the best coaches in the league, in Phil Jackson. You know, the guy's guy's amazing. You know, the guy who, um, if you look at it this way. Uh, the guy and what he did with the Bulls, you know, and then now he, he's with the Lakers. So Kobe had that, and then a, a lot of players don't get that chance or that opportunity to have both of them, to have all this um, mentor sort of around you. And what the, 
what Kobe did with that is uh, he used that and then he used that to help them become um, one of the greatest players ever in in the history of the NBA. Okay, yeah, I mean, he he definitely benefited from being in such a great uh, organization, such a first-class organization as the Los Angeles Lakers. In my opinion, the greatest organization in the NBA. And definitely, I, I kind of just will, will always wonder about this Shaq-Kobe thing. I, I'm pretty sure that they say amongst themselves they kind of squashed it, but I, I still think there's some bad blood between them. They They might not admit it. But uh, I just kind of wonder how this uh, whole thing would have played out if we were in the Twitter era around this time and what the whole circus would have looked like. What do you think it would have looked like if there was a social media aspect uh, around this feud? Oh, you know, well, that, that's a good question, my friend. You know, that's uh, – for the social media, it would be a whole different, you know. I mean, it's uh, – the Kofi feud thing, I mean, it never was squashed. In my opinion, it never was squashed. It was always there, you know, because it's sort of like when you're the alpha male, okay, and then you have to give way or you're or another person is trying to fight with you for the alpha male status. That's sort of, um, that's sort of, um, it's going to break a relationship. You know, it's not going to, there's no way you're going to amend it because someone has to give way, you know, and then when you have two egos at that, at, at that time, that's what sort of happened, you know, and then after, I don't recall uh, too much about that um, in the early 2000s, but I think after the run, I don't remember um, which team, uh, if they won, huh? um, I think there was like a stretch where the Lakers didn't even, they weren't even in the finals, I believe. Um, I think when that's when Shaq um, went to Miami, I believe, and then he won a title. I think, well, was that 2006? Well, Shaq, uh, Shaq went to Miami in '04, and he won a title with them in 2006. And the Lakers didn't really yeah. become a like a contending team again until 2008. So uh, yeah, 2008, because that's what sort of happened, you know. And then I think, uh, I think, uh, in all due respect to Kobe, I think that he, he sort of, when Shaq left, he sort of uh, realized like what he sort of lost, you know, what the, what kind of um, what Shaq brought to the Lakers, you know. I mean. Uh, that's why it took so long for them to, uh, to sort of come out of that, um, uh, to come out of the hole after Shaq left. You know, because it's sort of, uh, I mean, just, uh, the way I see it is, it's like anybody, if you're on a team, you want to be the best player on the team. You don't want to sacrifice for minutes, you don't want to sacrifice for points. But sometimes it's like, uh, you have to realize it's, um, you have to realize, uh, I, um, you have to play as a team, you know, and then uh, team ball always, uh, always, in my opinion, a team playing as one is always going to be the team that uh, that not play as one. Yeah, historically that holds true. I mean, all the teams that are winning have multiple superstars, and there's sacrifice going on. And very rarely do you, very rarely do you see the lone superstar carrying a team to a title. I mean, I don't think that's ever really happened. So. No, correct, correct. You know, I mean. Uh, from what I see, is the perfect example is the Spurs. You know, the Spurs are a team ball. Uh, they play team ball. I mean, they have uh, what do you call, um, I forget how many titles they have, but they come from a small market. They don't have the revenue that the Lakers have, have or have had, yet they're still winning. You know, and then a um, uh, perfect example is uh, like Tim Duncan. You brought him into the fold. The Spurs got lucky that you're in the trap that they got him over the Celtics. You know, and then, um, but Tim 
but Tim Duncan was not a team player. And then if you look at his right, he has, I believe, the same number of rings as Kobe, or uh, what I believe. I don't know the facts offhand. But it's like uh, they won uh, because of the team ball. You know, and, and, and in a sense, that's what I think is um, is best for any team in the NBA, is to play as one. You know, that whole idea of, like, I'm the man and I'm this is sort of, like, sort of fading away in my in my opinion, you know? Yeah, that's definitely a great point. I mean, San Antonio Spurs have built just an absolutely great culture for the last 18 years or 19 seasons, ever since Tim Duncan has been there. And to do this, they've had a lot of uh, a lot of players have had to take pay cuts, including Tim Duncan, Parker Ginobili. All these guys have kind of set the tone atop, and all the all the guys beneath them have fo- have followed along with the philosophies of Greg Popovich, R.C. Buford, and so forth. So, but uh, enough about the Spurs. Uh, we'll we'll get back into Kobe, uh, and we'll move into his uh, sixth season, two thousand one, two thousand two. So this was a season uh, kind of where Kobe probably had his most durable year. He played uh, the most games of his career up to this point. He played in 80 games and started 80 games as well and was truly developing as a true superstar in the league. And along with Shaq, led the Lakers to another another championship, their third in a row. So this was the year uh, that they had a trouble with Sacramento in the conference finals. Very interesting interesting and very uh, exciting series. So I just want to get your thoughts on that whole season and how Kobe, uh, the development continued. Oh, well, I mean, like any player, dude, I, I, I think it just takes some time for them to develop and mature. And this is, this is, this is, this is part of the process. You know, you, you go back to that Sacramento game and you can go all sorts of things on that. I think, um, I believe, uh, a lot of people, uh, brought up the, the notion that that game was sort of fixed by the refs and whatnot. And I forget that the, the one ref that came out later and uh, said some calls were had to go one way. You know, I mean, it's that's all part of the game. But, uh, but, but at the same time, you have to look at it. Uh, Kobe played well, you know, and he, um, he sort of, uh, how would I put it? He sort of, um, as the game changed, he changed himself too. You know, he adapted towards the game and he realized this is how I – this is what I need to do for myself, you know, uh, to get better, to make myself, uh, um, to make myself and to make the team, uh, to make the Lakers, um, a, a title contender and, and to win the championship. I need to do this. You know, he was one of the hardest workers in the league, you know, um, and I think, uh, um, that's what helped him, you know, that's what helped him. That's what helped the Lakers. He sort of motivated, uh, players from his work ethic, you know, and then, um, that's what led him to win uh, three straight championships in a row. You know, and, and nowadays, I mean, yeah, um, anybody can argue the league has changed, and the league does change from what it was back in the 60s, the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. And then if you look at uh, uh, now it's 2016, another five, ten years, who's to know? Who's to say the league is going to change? There's going to be a lot better players coming out that are going to be better than the Kobe's, the Jordans, the Birds, uh, the the Johnsons, they're going to be a lot better players, you know, who are coming out and because the league has changed. You know, the league has changed. Um, you have to look at the fact where it's sort of uh, um, um, uh, the now people, now um, um, players are more athletic 
they are more athletic. They're more into um, lifting, more into getting um, in shape. I mean, way more into shape or whatnot as opposed to as it was some odd years ago. And it, it's going to continually change. You know, but the fact is, Kobe, during this time, I mean, during that three-year run, he was uh, one of the top players in the league. You know, I mean, he accomplished something which which not too many players uh, can do. You know, not too many players uh, can really get close to what he did. You know, and that you have to give him all the respect in the world. Because he did that. I mean, yes, yeah, there were people who say, yeah, he sort of rode um, 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 Shaq's tail, which is, which is uh, um, an arguable thing we can uh, we can discuss. You know, it, it's a valid point. But at the same time, he also matured his game. You know, it's just like he just sat behind and Shaq and, and played the game. Now he stepped himself up to a whole other level. Which is uh, which is not uh, which is not yeah well which is uh, I guess the, the best way to say it is a lot it's a lot easier said than done and he was able to accomplish that. Okay, definitely great point. Uh, definitely uh, agree to to a certain extent. I mean, I de- Shaq I believe definitely was the best player in that three year uh, year run, but Kobe was an excellent uh, second option, an excellent Robin to Shaq, kind of like Pippen was to Jordan and so forth. So it, it's just like Shaq, Kobe wouldn't have won those rings without Shaq, but I also believe that Shaq wasn't going to win those rings if he didn't have a great second option like Kobe as well. No, exactly, exactly. You, you need a Batman. You need a psychic. You need like a Batman, Robin, Robin, Batman. Whichever way you want to view that. You know what I mean? That's what, so they both helped each other. Yes, there were times when they both uh, had conflicts. You know, they both uh, uh, didn't get along, you know, but uh, it, it showed during the games. But uh, but uh, in the end, uh, they were able to, um, to to win the championships, you know, and then they were to win three in a row, you know, and that's what sort of uh, defined it, you know. Even though they had uh, their um, their issues, they was they were in the end they were still able to win. Okay, yeah, definitely. Uh, so now, uh, I mean, after the three in a row, three P championship, we'll move into. Kobe's seventh season, which I believe, contrary to popular opinion, is the best individual season of his entire career. 30 points a game, seven rebounds, and six assists a game on 45% from the field. And uh, this season, I don't know if too many people remember, but Shaq was dealing with lots of injuries throughout the entire year. I believe missed like somewhere near 20 games, and Kobe was absolutely carrying this team. And it carried them to about, a, I believe, a fifth seed. And this was also the year Kobe had that streak of nine straight 40-plus point games and also, I believe, like 16 straight 35-plus point games. And he was absolutely spectacular. And also, what kind of uh, gets underrated about Kobe is that how great of a defender he was and so forth. So he was playing elite defense and playing MVP-level offense and carrying the Lakers with Shaq dealing with his injuries throughout the entire year. So kind of just want to get your thoughts on this year, even though the Lakers didn't win a championship this year. Well, I mean, this is um, – you're right. You know, uh, Kobe did carry the Lakers at that time. You know, he was averaging, like you said, um, 30 points a game, you know, which is which was great, you know, which he, he, he sort of elevated himself, you know. But um, what year was this after? This is after the third year. This is after this is the year after they won. 
This is 2002-2003, so the year the year after the three-peat. Yeah, three-peat. Okay. Uh, well, I think it's sort of, uh, like you said, you know, Kobe, he elevated his game, you know, and I think what, what the problem is, one of the points was, uh, which I've seen, which I remember Kobe, you know, one of the things, even though um, I have to, um, even though Kobe was a great player, he was also a very, but I remember he was also a very, sort of, uh, um, the word is, uh, I guess, sort of arrogant player at that time. You know, because he sort of realized that, hey, you know what, look at me, I'm, I'm, one of, I'm the best player in the Lakers. I'm one of the best players in the league. And his, his run of points and run of uh, scoring this many, doing this and that, his, his achievements were were great, you know. Um, in my opinion, they were going to hey, dude, it's the, you do what you have to do. It was it was great for him, but in the end, uh, um, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, in the end, uh, I don't think the Lakers won the championship that year. Yeah, they ended up falling to San Antonio in six games in the conference semifinals that year. But, I mean, I believe definitely Kobe should have won the MVP this year. I, in my opinion, the only year of his career where he deserved to win MVP was this season. I believe it's his, the best season of his career. And I think a lot of people kind of, when they talk about Kobe's best season, automatically go to that 2005-2006 season. And I just don't think that that, that is the case, in my opinion. Mm. No, no, no. Well, nobody said, you know, but I, I, I also believe the MVP doesn't mean uh, it's a, a, the MVP should not. I mean, in my opinion, the MVP is not um, the uh, the player that scores the most points in the league. You know, the MVP is a player that uh, also plays team ball. They is also able to do what he does and also get the team involved. You know, and I think that's where, um, and I think that's one of the reasons Kobe didn't get the MVP that year. Okay, I mean, I mean, Kobe was absolutely spectacular. He was carrying the team. I mean, he was. Probably his career high in assist that year was around six. So, so I mean, you you can you can argue. I think ultimately he didn't win MVP because the the Lakers were the fifth seed that year, and then uh, Tim Duncan ultimately ended up getting it just because I, I I believe the Spurs were the number one seed. So I think it kind of I think that was the deciding factor in it. That could be that could be one of the deciding factors. That's what because Tim Duncan was the number one seed. But I also think if you compare Tim Duncan and you compare Kobe at that time, even now you compare them at that time, Tim Duncan was a very mellow guy. He didn't come out. He didn't like the uh, the limelight. He didn't like um, all that stuff. And, and Kobe loved that, you know. And I think, as I mentioned before, I think that um, Kobe at this time was getting a little arrogant, you know, because of, the, of, of what he was, of the uh, abilities he had. I think that, in a sense, that sort of um, helped him uh, to get all these accolades that scoring points and whatnot, but at the same time, it developed uh, amongst the NBA a lot of people, a lot of uh, coaches um, at that time didn't uh, appreciate his attitude. Okay, great point, definitely. Uh, So uh, we'll move into the next season where the Lakers brought in free agents Carl Malone and Gary Payton and kind of built a high expectation of a championship or bust pretty much for that season. And Kobe, uh, ultimately his production dipped just because of the new additions and kind of a little bit of a reduced role. And Lakers ended up uh, losing the championship to the Detroit Pistons this year in five games. And 
pretty much got dominated by them and Kobe really struggled in that finals so just want to get your thoughts on that finals and just that entire season well that whole season that, that was what the dream team from what I uh, from what I from what I remember how they were called like the, the team of superstars Kobe Shaq Payton Malone you know and then there had so many egos on that team yeah, that it, it did carry them to the Western Conference Finals, but they ended up losing it five games to the Detroit Pistons, who no one thought when I when I remember looking at the ESPN predictions, um, everybody didn't chose the Lakers to win, and they chose them pretty handily to defeat the Pistons, but the Pistons uh, surprised everybody and beat them. But I think that's also you have to give the Pistons credit because they played uh, they played team ball and like. Uh, and I mentioned before is if you play team ball, you can beat any team. If you play with one, you, you can beat any team that has, that doesn't have the, or that doesn't play as one. You know, and that's exactly what the Pistons did because they knew they played as one. It's sort of like a cohesive unit, you know, but the Lakers at that time, I mean, you had Kobe, you had Shaq, you had Malone, you had Peyton, you have so many alter egos. And it's kind of hard that if you have that many alter egos to sort of uh, sacrifice your ego uh, to help that of the team. And I think that's what ha- that's what ultimately uh, led them to lose to the Pistons in that year. Okay, definitely a lot of great points there. Uh, I mean, the Detroit Pistons were a huge underdog in that uh, NBA Finals going into it. And then ultimately uh, what proved to just be the the difference was Detroit's defense was just absolutely excellent and that was the Detroit team kind of the first team in probably like like 25 to 30 years that won a championship without a true superstar in my opinion they just had a lot of really good kind of veteran players a lot of good solid players but no true superstar and like you said if you play as a team you can ultimately beat out talent but uh, very rarely does that happen where a team wins without a true superstar, and you got, definitely got to give the Pistons credit. They were absolutely excellent that year. And Kobe really struggled in that finals. What do you think was the, the problem for him? Do you think it was just uh, the Pistons stifling defense? Do you think it was a internal problem with the Lakers? What do you think happened there in the NBA finals for Kobe? Well, I think it was um, mostly I think uh, I would give it about uh... – Mostly, uh, it, it, it's got to be that defense because I don't think he ever experienced a team like that. Because yeah, uh, one thing you have to, uh, I guess, also, uh, I guess, taking the point is uh, during this time, it sort of uh, when the run, when Lakers made their their run and they won three in a row, the West was dominant. You know, the West. Uh, if you compare the West and East, the East was completely. Uh, there was nothing compared to the West, and uh, that goes back to the point where because uh, when Jordan made his run with the with the Bulls, the West wasn't as dominant as the East, and sort of when when Jordan retired and left, that's when the West became more dominant. Yeah, great point. Uh, definitely, uh, the East has been like uh, I think pretty far behind overall from the Western Conference in a, as a whole ever since Jordan retired, and uh, even up till now. So, kind of just a. Uh, it's, that's a great point you bring up, and just continue on the Kobe in the in that finals. So, 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 um, so as I was saying, is with Kobe, I think he didn't uh, he didn't ever uh, face a team like the uh, like the Pistons and their defense, and then when he met them in the finals, it was sort of like uh, 
he was sort of um, shocked to see what what they were bringing to the table, and then that's what sort of uh, I guess that was part of like uh, why the Lakers didn't win. Also, there was probably the risk because because you had three you had two new um, superstars who were on the team, and yes, uh, they were on the team and they uh, um, they were added to the team, but they weren't. Uh, I guess they all couldn't work together. You know, they all couldn't sacrifice their their goals. And uh, I mean, sacrifice what they thought. Um, um, they could sacrifice the game for themselves, you know. And at the same time, I think um, the media also played a huge point in it too. You know, it's sort of like when the, when the team was formed, they were already given the title, you know, the paper title, right? When um, they, the team was formed, you have four superstars, you have one of uh, the greatest coaches in the game, you know. And then you, you, uh, the media came out and said, hey, you know what, this is going to be unstoppable. No team's going to beat it. And I think when, when the Pistons came out and uh, they showed that they could play team ball, they could play defense, you know, and then I think that's what sort of, uh, that's what sort of, um, um, the word is, uh, that's what sort of left into what the, I mean, that's what sort of uh, sort of shocked the Lakers. And, you know, and that's what uh, I think is um, one of the defining moments of that season, you know, because in my opinion, defense wins championships. You know, if you play defense, you're gonna, um, you always, there's always um, uh, a greater chance to win a championship than if you're completely on offense. Okay, yeah, that's a great point, definitely, that you bring up. And that was what ultimately what the mass exodus of that Laker Kobe Shaq dynasty. And Shaq demanded a big contract and wasn't granted it by Dr. Jerry Buss and was ultimately traded that offseason to the Miami Heat for. Brian Grant, Lamar Odom, and Karan Butler. And Phil Jackson ultimately decided to bow out as well. And Malone ultimately retired, and Peyton ultimately went on to another team. So that was what started the kind of the rebuild process for the Lakers and the uh, so-called start of Kobe as the main guy for the Los Angeles Lakers into the next season. And they really struggled in that season. They were kind of in playoff contention throughout the middle of the season. And then Rudy Tomjanovic, their coach at the time, went went down and uh, took a leave of absence due to bladder cancer. And the Lakers really struggled afterwards and ultimately ended up missing the playoffs that year with a 34-48 and record. And Kobe kind of shut it down towards the end of that season, ultimately missing 17 games and uh, really struggled and to kind of uh, be the leader and kind of get a grasp of his new teammates. So uh, what did you think about uh, that season? Well, that season was a change for the Lakers. You know, I think that after Shaq was traded and they brought all these players, Kobe had to uh, get to work with the whole new team. And I think that sort of, uh, that's what sort of, um, led him to uh, uh, I mean actually um, that's what led the Lakers to a 34 win season you know 34-48 from from what you said Uh, but I think at the same time that also Kobe uh, I think that was a down year for him Um, and I think uh, in my opinion I believe that he didn't uh, he sort of took a step back you know because it's sort of after all what happened uh, after the previous season 
losing um, to the Pistons, that sort of he was in a, a downward moment at that time. You know, and I think that wasn't uh, that's not one of his uh, one of his greatest seasons. Okay, definitely. And then uh, I mean, just to go kind of go back into the Shaq Kobe thing, I I believe they even though they won three in a row, I believe they could have won around probably like five six championships total if they kind of got along better, and if they kind of bought in to kind of the the team atmosphere and then kind of just getting along and leading together and sacrificing. And that ultimately was, for me, was a really something I really didn't like, that the Lakers organization chose Kobe over Shaq, and I was just really disappointed that they weren't able to keep the whole thing together that and kind of go and contend for more championships with the core of Kobe and Shaq. So how many do you, do you think they ultimately could have won if they stayed together? Oh, yeah. If they stayed together at that time, Shaq was the most, was the most dominant players up until like 2006, they could easily won five in a row. You know, and there was no team at that point that could uh, um, um, stop them. I would think um, that had a chance. Maybe, maybe the Pistons were the one team, but uh, I think an easy one. I would say um, a minimum of four, maximum of five. Okay, definitely great point. And then after that uh, terrible uh, season. Phil Jackson ultimately decided to come back in May of 2005 as the Lakers head coach. And this, in my opinion, started the stretch of the three year stretch where Kobe was, in my opinion, ultimate, the no doubt best player in the league might not have won MVPs in any, only one of these seasons, but was definitely the best player for this three year stretch. So just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on this three year stretch for Kobe. Well, yeah, during that three-year stretch, it was definitely, uh, when Phil Jackson came back, it was definitely, um, how would you say, a blessing in disguise for Kobe, because uh, Phil Jackson, I mean, that's exactly why he's one of the, of the, of the greatest coaches ever in the NBA, because he knows how to get the best out of his players. And I think that's what, uh, if you look at, at Jordan, you know, what he did with Jordan. I mean, and then, and, um, and then, what he did with Kobe, he's able to get the best mentally and physically out of your players, and I think that's what Kobe missed when when Phil Jackson was gone. And now that he's back, that's solely um, his motivation, um, uh, his motivation, his work ethic that uh, was installed. That's what helped Kobe um, become the player he was during those years. Okay, definitely. Oh five, oh six. A lot of uh, Laker fans will argue that this is the year that Kobe was absolutely robbed of the MVP by Steve Nash. Averaged thirty five points a game, five point three rebounds per game, and four and a half assists. Shooting twenty seven shots a game on forty five percent from the field. Also, the season where he scored eighty one points in a in a game against the Toronto Raptors. So, uh, what do you think? Do you think he was deserving of the MVP in this year? I think he was deserving. You know, I think he 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 was definitely one of the one of the observers. I don't remember Steve Nash's stats this app during that year, but I think it also goes down to the MVP. Uh, like I, I mentioned before, it goes down to um, a person's uh, attitude as well. You know, because the NBA is not going to just choose someone that uh, MVP that has the best uh, um, uh, the best uh, stats. They're going to look at the overall picture. Is that person a good uh, is that person uh, a, a good person off the off of 
off of the whole, uh, off outside of the uh, of the game itself. In my opinion, I think that's what the NBA was looking for. Okay. You know, it's sort of like Steve Nash was that sort of. Uh, he was that. Uh, uh, what's the word? He was. Uh, he was a good guy. He was sort of had like uh, that good boy mentality. Okay. And that's what the NBA at that time was looking at. Okay, definitely. I think what all it ultimately came down to was that the Lakers were the seventh seed, and uh, the Phoenix Suns were the second seed, second seed in this uh, season, just like they were the season before. And I don't know if many people remember, Amari Stoudemire was missed in pretty much the entire season, and Steve Nash just still led that team to the second seed with Boris Diaw as the starting center, a six eight Boris Diaw at the time. So that was just absolutely amazing. So I think that's ultimately what it came down to. Historically, if you look at MVP, the best player doesn't always win the MVP. It usually goes to kind of a, a really important star player on a one of the top five, six teams in the league, and that's kind of what happened this year. And moving into the 06-07 season, the Lakers ultimately fell this season again to the Suns in five games in the first round. So uh, I don't think there's really too much to talk about. Kobe, was, like I said, was the best player in this three-year stretch as well, 05 to 06 to the 07-08 season. But in the 07 season, that's where probably the most important trade in uh, for an aspect in terms in regards to Kobe's legacy occurred when the Lakers uh, sent Kwame Brown and uh, some draft picks and the draft rights to Marc Gasol to the Memphis Grizzlies for in exchange for Pau Gasol. And I think that's really what it catapulted this Laker team into the next phase of contention. What did you think about uh, this season for Kobe? Well, it, it definitely, that trade made a huge difference for Kobe, you know, because he sort of gave him extra firepower for his team. He didn't have to do everything on his own. You know, they gave him another sidekick. You know, I mean, obviously, Paul Gasol is a great player, but he was no shot, but it still gave uh, Kobe a Robin to work with, you know, and I think that's what uh, helped uh, helped it. You know, I mean, uh, I don't see anything um, that, with that trade that would have sort of um, be considered as negative towards Kobe and his, uh, his game, um, and his, um, and his game during that season. Okay, definitely. I mean, I believe, uh, in my opinion, that this trade is the, one of the most important reasons that Kobe was ultimately voted as the MVP for that season. Because I don't know if many, I don't know if many people remember that the Lakers in the, at the time of the trade were fifth place. Andrew Bynum, their young uh, star center, had just suffered a gruesome injury, and that was the the only reason, in my opinion, that they made this trade. And without this trade, I, I truly believe that the Lakers might have ultimately missed the playoffs that season as it would have required 50 wins to be in the eighth seed. And I don't think they would have gotten there if they hadn't traded for Pau Gasol. So in my opinion, in my opinion, Chris Paul should have won the MVP this year. And as he took the New Orleans Hornets from 10th place the year before to second place in that season. And the biggest off season acquisition that they had was Tyson Chandler, that same Tyson Chandler who at the time was considered to be a borderline bust and he kind of just revived his career 
going to the New Orleans Hornets with Chris Paul. So do you remember the MVP voting and kind of that crazy Western Conference in that season? I I think we remember it, but uh, uh, I have to agree with you. Chris Paul deserved to be the MVP that year because he sort of, what he was doing with the New Orleans Hornets, um, with the New Orleans Hornets, which were um, considered not even the upper echelon of the NBA at that time, what he did and how he how he brought them to where they were, that was, that was incredible. And I think he was very deserving to get that the MVP at that time. Okay, yeah, definitely. So we'll go into the playoffs for the that year for the Lakers. I mean, they pretty much ran through the Western Conference pretty comfortably, beating uh, the Spurs in the conference finals in five games. Utah in the conference semis in six games, and Denver in the first round in six games as well. So, And then moving on to the NBA Finals, that's where ultimately they ran into a wall when they faced off against that excellent Boston Celtics team led by Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, and Paul Pierce, and ultimately fell short and absolutely got humiliated in Game 6, losing by 38 and actually, I know you remember that vividly, as you are a diehard Boston Celtics fan. So, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that series. <laughs> well, that uh, well, see what happened that year with the Celtics. That was uh, that was uh, um, as history would say, or that was the start of the the three year. I mean, the three uh, star all the three all star team. You know, that's when after that year, every team started to mimic philosophy to get three all-stars and win it and, and try to win a title. But what the Celtics that year is that they got three, uh, Paul Pierce was already with the team, but they picked up Garnett and Ray Allen, and all three of them didn't win a title. So they were hungry to get that title. And then even though they were um, older players, they were in the end of their career, they were able to do that because they played as, what do you call it, as team ball. Plus they also had, uh, in my mind, one of the best defenses in the league at that time. You know, they, and uh, I also believe, uh, like I mentioned before, defenses win championships. And that's what sort of led to that uh, to that loss where the, I don't remember how many points it was. Um, we said it was about like maybe 30 or so. I mean, yeah, it was definitely, um, it was definitely heartbreaking for Laker fans to see that loss. You know, and, but it's, it's, it, it's all part of the game. You know, it, it's growing things all part of the game. There's a, you, you can't win every single year. You know, you can't, um, um, in in history of sports, there's no team that has won every single day, every single year. Okay, definitely. There's gonna, there's gonna be, there's always going to be times when you're going to lose, and I think that's what the Lakers, I think it was a very humbling loss to the Lakers. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Lakers are absolutely humiliated, and uh, Den- uh, Boston's defense was absolutely excellent in that series. They were just more physical. I mean, they were absolutely spectacular. Garnett, Pierce, Ray Allen. And that was the kind of the surge of Rajon Rondo. And then moving into the next season for Kobe, that was the season where they kind of had their best their, their best overall season as a team since probably the 2000 season when they won 67 games. They ended up winning 65 games this year, running their way through the Western Conference and ultimately winning the NBA title versus the Orlando Magic in five games. So, and then this was kind of for Kobe, the monkey off his back. Nobody said that he, everyone was saying that he can't win without Shaq and 
this was where he kind of proved that he can lead a team, be the best player on the team, and ultimately win a championship. So just your your thoughts on this season. Well, that season, um, it, it was great, you know. Kobe uh, upped his game, you know. He, he, he became much higher. He became more of also a team player. You know, he became more of a team player as well. I mean, that, that's what sort of helped the Lakers win that year. You know, I mean, they were a great team. They deserved to win it. But I, I mean, going back to me being a Boston Celtics fan, I mean, yeah, sure, um, the Lakers deserved to win, but I think it also helped when, when Kevin Garnett, I believe, uh, I think it was his Achilles or something. He he, um, he had that injury and and he was out. That sort of took the Celtics right out of the out of the whole um, the whole series. I mean, the whole uh, contention of becoming a champion. Yeah, I mean, Kevin Garnett. Oh, that was a devastating injury to them. I think they had started off that season like very well. The Boston, I think they were like thirty-one and four through like thirty-five games or something, yeah. and then then he came down with that injury, and then it ultimately just ruined the rhythm of their entire season. And Boston ended up losing to Orlando in seven games in the conference semis that year. And I truly believe we would have seen a rematch with Boston and Lakers that year if Kevin Garnett was fully healthy. But I mean, so oh, oh well. I mean that that kind of just happened. It's just very unfortunate for Boston that year. And then Kobe and the Lakers ultimately won that championship. Uh, the first of with uh, for Kobe, the fourth of his career, the first of his for Kobe without Shaq, and the fourth of his career. So then, moving into the 2009-2010 season for Kobe, uh, the Lakers had a bullseye on their back as the defending champions and. Kobe, this was the year Kobe made a lot of buzzer buzzer beating uh, game winners throughout the regular season. I believe he made six or seven, and it was absolutely spectacular again. And definitely one of the top players in the league, probably the top somewhere in the top five for sure. And Lakers ultimately won another championship this year by beating out the Boston Celtics in seven games. So. Want to get your thoughts on that series and just this entire season for Kobe? Well, that was a very hot spell series, you know. That series was it was a great series, going seven games, you know. And then, um, especially against your against your your rival, uh, was all, it was a great series going for seven games. And I think the Lakers, um, Kobe elevated himself during that series. You know, he became to where he was. I think um, to where he was in the in his um, in the early two thousand. He sort of, uh, I would just say, he sort of morphed himself back into time and became uh, a player, you know. And I think that's what helped them to beat the Celtics, you know. And, I mean, a lot of people can go back and say different things. And I think, um, I mean, you have to give the Celtics credit for they made the championship, but but they were also an old, a much older team, you know. They were also aging. There was the, the third year they were together as a, as a three, and then they. They were much, much older, much not as uh, as quick, not as, as strong. So, and uh, but then the Kobe being what he called the Black Mama took advantage of that, you know. And then um, that's what ultimately led the Lakers to to defeat them for the championship. Okay, definitely. Uh, Kobe was absolutely awful in this season in Game Seven against Boston, six for twenty-four, and ultimately uh, other Lakers stepped up big for them in that game and. 
ultimately pushed them to win that game and ultimately win the title. What do you think was the problem for Kobe in that game seven? Do you think it was just jitters? Do you think it was a combination of Boston's defense? What do you think? Well, I think it, it could have been jitters, defense, and I think he was tired. You know, that's another thing. You know, because he was also, he's, he's getting up there during that the year in age, and I think he was tired and he sort of, uh, he sort of also, like, um, uh, leading to as a championship, he also gave way to the other players. You know, he sort of developed into that team ball sort of philosophy. Okay. You know, he, he gave way. He used uh, himself. Uh, instead of, uh, he used himself as sort of like a way to, um, um, a, a way to disattract uh, the attention off the others. And he fed the others uh, the ball and they were able to, to take advantage of it. All right, definitely. So Lakers uh, went back-to-back in that year, ultimately, and then moving into the next season, which would be ultimately be Phil Jackson's last season as a the Lakers head coach. The uh, Lakers uh, kind of uh, struggled this year, but ultimately going into the playoffs, I believed that they were the team to beat in the Western Conference. It was also almost to me like it was going to be a collision course between the Lakers and the Heat going into the finals. But ultimately, the Lakers got surprised by the Dallas Mavericks and absolutely got dominated in that series and ultimately gets ended up getting swept by them. And Dallas was just spectacular, especially from the three-point line in that series. And they just dominated the Lakers. And it was a sad ending to that year for the Lakers and a sad ending to Phil Jackson's career as a head coach. So just your thoughts on that season. Well, my thought on that season will be that, yeah, he, you're right. It was a sad ending. I think that was a season where the Lakers' downfall began, you know, after getting swept, you know. But at the same time, the Lakers played a very good Dallas Mavericks team, which played, when I say team, I mean, I emphasize team. Because they wasn't like, yeah, they had uh, Dirk Nowitzki and um, I don't remember who else they had, but they played as a team. They played as a unit. You know, and I think that's what's uh, that's what helped them become such a, a great team that year. And they and they swept the Lakers in the final. You know, because they were shooting lights out from uh, the shooting was lights out. You know, I mean, but they played as a team. You know, and I think like they it goes back to my point. If you play the team ball, you can always beat a team that doesn't play his team ball. I think that's what ultimately affected the Lakers. Okay, definitely. Uh, and then going into the next season for the Lakers, uh, this was a lock, another lockout year for the NBA, and then it ultimately ended up being a 66-game season. And the Lakers brought in new coach Mike Brown this season, and it was kind of a season where you, you kind of see the reins moving over to the Miami Heat and the reins as Kobe as one of the best players in the game kind of moving out. And in my opinion, LeBron had definitely established himself as the best player in the league probably like three or four years before this. And then Kobe and the Kobe was still definitely the one of the five, six best players in the game. But ultimately, the Lakers ended up losing this season in the conference semis once again to a very talented and upstart Oklahoma City team in five games. So do you remember this season and what were your thoughts? My thoughts on this season were it's pretty much you have a new coach, Mike Brown, 
a new philosophy, you know, uh, more on defense. I think he was more of a defensive coach, from what I remember. Um, I think there was a sort of uh, budding. Him and Kobe were budding. You know, they didn't, uh, I don't think, because Kobe was, uh, I think um, Kobe was always taught, like, uh, you know, he had the philosophy, I'm the man. You know, I should have the ball in my hands. I should be doing this. But I don't think he wanted to sort of uh, uh, follow into Mike Brown's philosophy. You know, and I think that sort of hurt the Lakers, you know, because it's sort of uh, when you have a new coach, you sort of have to give that coach time. You know, you have to listen to his philosophy, listen to what he believes is the right way of doing things and and buying into that philosophy. You know, and I, I don't think Kobe did that. You know, I, I mean, um, I mean, granted, Kobe is, 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 is one of the greatest players, you know, in the league at that time. You know, I mean, um, but the thing is, you have to, uh, I, in my opinion, you have to realize that you're one of the best players in the league, but you're playing for the Lakers, and management brought in a new coach. You have to follow that stuff. You have to follow that philosophy. And I think that's what ultimately led them to not, uh, when, he, when he didn't do that, I think that's what ultimately led them to, uh, to not being able to become very successful that year. Okay, definitely. And then uh, moving on into the 2012-2013 season for Kobe, this was a season that began with a lot of expectations for the Los Angeles Lakers as they acquired Dwight Howard in the offseason, the best center in the game at the time, and also traded for veteran point guard Steve Nash. And they were definitely uh, built to compete with the defending champions Miami Heat and also other, the other top teams in the league and in the Western Conference. But this this season was just doomed from the start as Kobe and Dwight Howard had their issues. And Kobe just never really got along with him. And Dwight never really got comfortable on that team. And Steve Nash also was a shell of himself. He looked a lot different as a off-the-ball type point guard. And he just looked uh, flustered from the beginning. And then Lakers never really got any traction going. So what do you think ultimately was the reason that this season uh, was a failure for the Lakers? Well, I think the main uh, the main reason uh, was because just like how, how the Celtics uh, developed the, uh, the big three in that year, 2007-2008, and, and beat the Lakers in the championship, is because uh, and part of the why they were able to do that is because they played as a unit. They sacrificed. And I think when they brought in Howard, they brought in uh, Nash, and they had Kobe there. They tried to duplicate that philosophy, but it didn't work because uh, none of those three decided to sacrifice themselves, sacrifice their uh, to their pride in their game to win the championship. And when you have butting heads like uh, the alpha males, you have three alpha males on a team trying to trying to uh, all work together. It's the most uh, in my opinion, nine out, of, nine out of ten times, it's going to, it's going to lead to disaster, unless you're willing to change. And I think that's what happened. And I think Dwight Howard was management at that time with the Lakers. I think they were just, uh, um, I think they were um, desperate to sort of bring uh, a title to the uh, to the league, and they traded for Dwight Howard, but they didn't realize that he's not the best fit for that philosophy. All right, definitely, that's definitely a great point, and. This was also the season where Kobe ended up uh, tearing his Achilles towards the end of the season with all the minutes that he's logged, the minutes burden. And this was ultimately, in my opinion, what <laughs> cut short his uh, superstar days. And all this was pretty much, in my opinion, the end of his career as 
he, even though he played for the next three seasons after this, the two seasons after this, he didn't. Really, he only played 41 out of a total 164 games, as the Lakers as a team struggled mightily. So, uh, what do you think ultimately was the downfall? Do you think that injury really made it hard, tough for Kobe to ever come back from that? I, I think that played a, a huge part in it, especially with the Achilles coming out, curing it, and then uh, I believe that game. Um, I forget who I think who we who we played against, but uh, it was Golden State. It was Golden State. I think it was I think Barnes, uh, Harrison Barnes was guarding him, and then that's when uh, that happened. Uh, I remember. Uh, so I think after that, the injury took. Uh, I think it took a lot out of Kobe. You know, it's sort of. Um, I think Kobe always thought of himself as like you know I'm unbreakable. I mean. Unbreakable, you know. I mean, I'm uh, I'm not a, a superhuman being, and then when this happened, that sort of I, I think I, that sort of shocked him, you know, because this 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 happened to him, and because I don't think he ever had this kind of injury ever in his career, and I think that's what um, that's what sort of shocked him, and then it, it sort of um, uh, it, it sort of made him feel, you know, sort of vulnerable that he's uh, that he's not um, he's not like a you know, like like Superman. You know, because I know a lot of these players, uh, NBA players, Howard, Dwight Howard, Kobe at times, uh, um, Shaq. They always consider themselves like, like Superman. You know. Okay, that's definitely. That sort of uh, that sort of um, I guess sort of shocked him. You know. All right. Uh, definitely, I I believe that that injury was definitely the end of him. Uh, he was definitely the not the same player after that injury, and then. Especially at that age, when you suffer such a gruesome injury, you're never really able to come back fully. Uh, what do you think? A lot of people kind of blamed uh, Mike D'Antoni for playing him an extended amount of minutes in the Lakers as they were pushing for a playoff spot at that time. Do you blame Mike D'Antoni for that, or do you think it was just Kobe's uh, ego and kind of arrogance for was the reason and the cause for that? Well, uh, I think it was halfway, fifty-fifty. You know, because it's sort of uh, the Lakers organization. Matt Antonio, I mean, Matt Antonio, like, if I'm saying that correctly, but he was a head coach, and then um, I'm sure he was getting it from uh, management that play Kobe as much as he can, you know, because it, it's, best for the, it's best for the Lakers. You know, I mean, I think that's part of that, part of him playing him, and also part of the Kobe. It's easy to understand. Kobe is uh, he's a warrior. He's not going to give up, you know, and he's going to push himself. And then I think that's a, that also plays the point where uh, I forget how old he was, but he was a lot older uh, when that happened. He was in um, the end of his towards the end of his career. He's a lot older, and uh, when you get an injury such as that, it takes uh, it says as you mentioned, you um, this is like the, the end of his career. That's what that was a point where his career ended. And I think when you get older and that sort of injury happens, that um, is very hard to recover from it. You know, and I think that's a, a instead of uh, I think if you were to blame somebody, you blame three people. You blame the Lakers organization, you blame coach, and you blame Kobe. Okay, definitely. Uh, and then Kobe, uh, in what in the off season after suffering this injury, signed the two year, fifty million dollar contract. Uh, do you believe this was a a mistake on his part, as not kind of sacrificing like players like Tim Duncan and Ginobili did to kind of build a championship contending team, or do you think it was right for him to take this uh, contract? 
Okay, uh, to be utterly honest with you, I think that was very selfish of Kobe. Take that two-year, almost $50 million contract, especially in the twilight of his career, where he could have just taken a two-year, um, uh, let's say two-year, uh, $25 million, half of it, and then other half, uh, other $25 million could be used to sign um, other players that could help the Lakers win another championship. You know, and this is my opinion on that, you know, and I talked to a lot of uh, Laker fans and um, um, some who say that Kobe deserved it, which I'm, I'm sure he did, you know, because from what he from what he meant to the Lakers, from his title to what he did for the Lakers to become, help the Lakers become one of the best organizations in the NBA, you know, but at the same time as, as a... Uh, as a player, I believe uh, he didn't sacrifice for his team, you know, in, in taking that two-year $50 million contract. You know, and I think that's what sort of, in those two years, that um, those, the Lakers didn't do that great. You know, um, they were one of the uh, the sort of subpar teams, I believe, in the, in the league, you know, which they could have been a whole lot better. Okay, definitely. Uh, and then moving into this season... The last season of Kobe's career, ultimately, it began with a lot of promise. People thought that uh, Kobe was going to be kind of be a better player, but as we saw in the beginning of the season, he was not able to do much. And ultimately, within the first month of the season, Kobe decided that he was going to call it quits at the end of the season. And kind of just wanted to get your thoughts on his uh, retirement letter that he posted on the Players' Tribune. Okay, well, I mean, I don't remember exactly the retirement letter, to be honest. You know, but uh, I think uh, uh, I think it, it's good that he retired, you know, because I think he finally realized that, hey, you know what, uh, I had my career. I, I won my championships. I have my rings, you know, but now it's like I have to give way because I'm not the best player in the league anymore. You know, I'm slower. I'm older. I'm slower. You know, I can't do the things that I did when I was uh, when I was uh, about uh, uh, 15 years ago. You know, and I think this is the best way for him to bow out. You know, and uh, and bow out on a high level. Okay, definitely. Uh, and then that will be the end of the Kobe year, Kobe's 20-year career. And as we're recording this, we're recording this on Saturday afternoon. Kobe has. Exactly three games left, two on the road and one at home on Wednesday night against the Jazz, which will be his final game. So kind of just going through uh, Kobe's entire career, we kind of have a lot of uh, second greatest for Kobe, second best player of his generation, second best Laker ever, and second best shooting guard ever. So kind of where do you put him in, in those three aspects as best uh, as all-time Laker greats, amongst all shooting guards and amongst players in his era or generation? Okay. Uh, in, in my opinion, to be honest, as far as the uh, Laker grades, <laughs> excuse me, I don't consider him the best Laker ever. Uh, he's definitely up there in the top five. I don't consider him the, the best. Uh, if you were to consider the best ones, you have to go back to like the days uh, of Will Chamberlain, Elgin Baylor, uh, you go back to Jerry West. You go back to uh, um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You go back to Magic Irvin Johnson. You know, those are 
those records are, you, 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 you can't tend to, to forget about them. You know, I didn't, well, what I've seen is like in the generations that go by, um, people go, people tend to ignore the past and tend to ignore the players, uh, the great players of the past. Because, uh, and people tend to forget that the game changes. You know, I mean, the game back in the 60s, back in the 70s, the 80s, you know, early 90s, the game was different. You know, now the game, if you look at it, ever since the 2000s, the game is totally different. It's been, um, the game is totally soft, in my opinion. You know, it, it, as it, as it, it's going to change more and more every year, every decade the game changes. You know, and then back in the 80s, they could, the 50s, 70s, 80s, the game was more physical. You know, now the game is more finesse. It's more soft. I mean, if you put Kobe in uh, in the era of uh, of Walt Chamberlain, in the era of um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, of uh, Matthew Johnson, I don't think he would have been as great as he is today, as he was in this generation. Because the game changed. It was more physical, and I don't think Kobe, if you put him in a physical sort of game, I don't think he, he would do as well. Okay, definitely. So... Amongst all Laker greats, uh, where where exactly does he rank for you? I would say number one of Laker greats will be Will Chamberlain. Okay, uh, number two probably Irvin Maggie Johnson. Number three, um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I would put him at, at either four or five. Okay, definitely that's interesting. I put uh, Kobe number two amongst all Laker greats just because of the longevity, the consistency. I think the only player that's been better than him in a Laker uniform, in my opinion, is Magic Johnson. I think he's the greatest Laker ever. And as far as uh, shooting guards, I put him number two behind uh, Michael Jeffrey Jordan. So where do you think he is among shooting guards? Do you agree with that? Um, I, uh, I agree that he is one of the better shooting guards, but I don't think he is. Um, I wouldn't consider him uh, Kobe. Um, I mean, I don't know too far. I don't remember too far back into far shooting guards, but I would, um, I would definitely put him behind Michael Jordan. I, uh, I agree with you on that because Michael Jordan was definitely, um, uh, he's one of a kind. You know, I mean, there's always these comparisons between Kobe and Michael Jordan, and they have they have similar games, but Kobe can never be Michael Jordan because Michael Jordan did what he did with all this stuff in a different era of the league. He didn't have like a shack with him. He didn't have this whole philosophy of getting, um, I mean, yes, he had Pippen, but Pippen was no Paul Gasol, or Pippen is no uh, Shaq, you know, and what he did at that time, and the time he did it, I mean, Michael Jordan, um, let's put it this way, he uh, he played, he was the greatest of his time, and he took two years off to go do other things, and came back and still won championship. So it's like, you you can't compare it, but I mean, if you look at all-time shooting guards, which uh, I don't know um, too much of the history, but um, I would definitely put him behind Michael Jordan. Okay, definitely. And next, uh, moving into the next kind of ranking, uh, amongst uh, players of Kobe's era generation, this is a contentious kind of issue for Laker fans and Kobe apologists all throughout the nation. I believe that Kobe is the second best player in his generation or area era behind Tim Duncan, who, in my opinion, is the most humble superstar I've ever seen in the NBA. So where do you put Kobe, where do you put Kobe in his uh, generation or era? 
Well, in his generation, I have to put him behind. Uh, I mean, when it comes to uh, <laughs> his generation, I'll have to put him behind. I mean, it, it depends. It sort of, you, you can look at it from a different perspective, but definitely behind Tim Duncan. Because he, uh, I would bring it to this point. Tim Duncan is a very humble player. He, he doesn't uh, like the limelight. He stays away from it. Uh, he's sort of... Uh, um, sort of just uh, um, is an overall considered a good person, you know. Um, so in, uh, I would definitely put him by Tim Duncan um, if you were to compare in his generation, yes. Okay, definitely. And then uh, moving into the all-time player ranks, uh, so I'll, I'll go ahead and start with that. Uh, I believe uh, Kobe is the eighth greatest player of all time just due to all the years that he's done is consistently the longevity, the successful longevity and all the points that he's put up, his game, his defensive prowess and so forth. So I have him eighth all time. I don't think, however, that he's kind of in that first tier amongst all those greats like Jordan Bird, Magic, Will Chamberlain, Kareem, so forth. So uh, where, where do you put him all-time? Which number, where does he rank for you all-time amongst all the all-time greats? I mean, amongst all-time greats, I would put him definitely in the top uh, 15, maybe closer to top 10. Uh, but I wouldn't put him, like, in the top five, you know, because it's sort of you have to look at uh, you have to look at the game from, 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 uh, from, the, from where the game started and the way the game is today. Um, the game has changed, you know, and back in the 60s to the 2000s, the game has changed, and it's going to change. And then each, but you, but you can't underestimate or disrespect um, each player that played during that, during those decades from the game when it started. So I would definitely, in, in my top 10, I would in, uh, I definitely have Bill Russell, Will Chamberlain, uh, Larry Bird. Um, Michael Jordan, Matty Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, you have Elgin Baylor. You have um, John Cousy. You know, so, you have so many different players. And I think that uh, um, that's a very debatable topic because uh, a lot of people, if you go ask somebody, um, you go ask somebody who's in their 40s this question, and you go ask somebody who's in their 20s this question, they could, you're going to have a very different answer. You know, because a lot of people who are in their 20s, they they weren't there, or they didn't see the Jordans. They didn't see um, the Irvin Johnsons. They didn't see the Bird. You know, they didn't see the Will Chamberlain. They didn't see the Bill Russells. All they see is from from when they were born. You know, so that's like the, the, in my opinion, I just think it's sort of like, it's a tough question to answer because it, um, and each answer will be different because it depends on your generation when you grow up and watch the game. Okay, definitely. That's a very interesting point that you bring up. Uh, I have him eighth all time. So where exactly? I know you kind of said somewhere between ten and fifteen, but where exactly do you put him? I mean, I would have to put him in that range. I mean, I'd have to put him, obviously, probably in the, probably in the top ten, like maybe around nine or ten, or maybe. A, um, like for example, I would I would definitely put up. Uh, um, I definitely have the Russell. I have Will Chamberlain. I have uh, uh, Michael Jordan. I have Larry Bird, Irvin Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I have uh, like Tim Duncan. I have 
Who the other greats? You have um, uh, Oscar Robertson, maybe. Oscar Robertson, yeah. Oscar Robertson, uh, Dr. J. There we go. That's another one. That's nine. So Kobe can come like ten or come eleven. I mean, there's so many different players. You know, but the thing is, you have to look at you. I think it's sort of an unfair question when that's asked anybody because it's sort of. I think the better way of asking the question is. Um, who was the best player in this generation? If you're doing all time, you you really can't compare it because everybody's gonna have a different answer, depending on what generation they grew up watching them be. Okay, definitely. So, Kobe's definitely had a great illustrious uh, 20 year career, which will end uh, this Wednesday. And kind of now, we're just gonna get into some some of our favorite Kobe moments throughout the years, kind of our top five. And I'll go ahead and start with that with my fifth greatest moment for Kobe, and that was, will be the 81-point game that he had against the Toronto Raptors in 2006. was absolutely spectacular in that game, leading the Lakers to a victory as they were down big to begin that game. And then he scored 26 in the first half, and then in the second half he was absolutely unstoppable from all over the court, hitting threes, making dunks, making layups. And ultimately scored 55 in the second half on his way to 81 total points in that game. And so moving on to the number four moment, my number four favorite moment for Kobe's career, we'll go into the game four of the first round in the 2006 playoffs against the Phoenix Suns, where the Lakers are up 2-1 in the series. And late in the fourth quarter, Lakers are down by two. Phoenix is taking out the ball. The Lakers end up getting a steal and the ball gets given to Kobe in a transition type uh, play, and Kobe hits an absolutely amazing type floater, falling away from behind the basket and sending the game to overtime. And in overtime, the game is tied, or the Lakers are down by one, sorry, and there's a jump ball about six seconds left in the game, and Kobe grabs control of the jump ball, moves his way down the court and sets himself up for a a game-winning fadeaway. And that was just a spectacular shot, a spectacular moment by Kobe. And for moment number three, I'm going to go with the into the 2002-2003 season, which I explained earlier, in my opinion, was Kobe's greatest season. And it's the streak of nine-plus games with 40 or more points and the streak of 15-plus games with 35 or more points. And Kobe in my opinion, should have been the MVP this year. It was absolutely spectacular, carrying the Lakers to the fifth seed in the West with their best player, Shaq, sidelined for a good amount of the season, never getting a, really any rhythm throughout the season. And then for the number two moment, I'm going to go into the 99-2000 season, into the 2000 NBA Finals Game 4, where Shaq was fouled out and Kobe coming back from an ankle injury the game prior, absolutely took over and took control of the Lakers in overtime and led the Lakers to a victory in that game and a very controlling 3-1 lead in that series, and which they ultimately ended up winning in six games. And now for my number one Kobe moment of all time, it's going to be for me personally, going back to that 99-2000 season as well, Game 7 of the 2000 Western Conference Finals against the Portland Trailblazers. The Los Angeles Lakers down by 15 points with about 10 minutes to go in the game. And Kobe 
coming down the lane, the Lakers ended up removing that 15-point deficit, going up by about three. With about a minute to go, Kobe dribbling down the lane, eludes, I believe, Steve Smith, throws up a perfect lob to Shaq, and that's the image that will always stick with me when I think of the Shaq-Kobe-Lakers dynasty is that lob and Shaq throwing out that monstrous dunk and then running down the court and celebrating with Kobe because at that moment I knew the Lakers are winning for sure. They're going to win the title, and they're going to bring the Lakers their first title since 1988 at that point. So enough about uh, my moments. We'll get into you now, Akshay. What were your five greatest moments of Kobe Bryant's illustrious 20-year career? Definitely. Uh, I mean, we definitely went through a lot about Kobe's career, and I definitely wish him the best moving forward into his retirement, and I'm definitely looking forward to watching his last game this Wednesday night against the Utah Jazz at Staples Center. So, Akshay, I wanted to thank you very much for coming on with me. It was definitely a pleasure having you on, and I look forward to having you on. Thank you for inviting me, definitely. No problem. I look forward to having you on definitely again in the future. And everyone, thank you for listening, and stay tuned. There will be a special part two for this uh, Kobe podcast. I will be bringing on some more guests to talk about Kobe and just kind of their memories and about Kobe and what he means to the city of L.A. and kind of them as well about their basketball fandom. So definitely thank you, and stay tuned for that. And thank you for listening.